Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of So You Want to Get Sober. My name's Mel, I'm your host, and I'm also an alcoholic. Today, I have my favorite person in the entire world on this show, and I'm allowed to say that because she's my sponsor. <laughs> um, yeah, her name is May. I'm going to give you guys a little intro on, on how we met because... It was dark. Honestly, I was in an awful, awful place. Um, I had tried to come into the rooms maybe like a month before. I had a sponsor. Um, She was a little bit more rigid. I feel like I am really afraid of rules, regulations, authority figures. And um, I just, I needed someone to hold me fully with love and kindness and like accept me for my mistakes and like not feel like I was being punished or like in trouble. Um, so, but I was also still drinking. So I was coming into the room, still drinking. I met May at a meeting and, um, this was the time that I had shared drunk and was like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel crazy. I want to get a cat and a tattoo all in the same day. (laughs) May looked behind and was like, this girl's fucked up. I want her as my Swansea. (laughs) Um, so fast forward, we had, we had been talking and I, I mean, I was secretly drinking. I was coming into the rooms and secretly drinking and I was just so ashamed, but like, I literally couldn't stop. You know, I had a sponsee, I was showing up, I was reaching out to women in the program, but I was still drunk behind it. Um, and I just, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for me. Um, I felt like it was the one thing drinking that made me feel like Mel was going to be okay. So if you took that away from her, like, I just don't think... I didn't think that there was going to be a hell, quite honestly. So I was really, really sick towards the end. Um, I, I honestly think it was like I was going through the DTs because I was drinking around the clock. And if I wasn't drinking, I was shaking and throwing up bile. I mean, it was bad. I was really sick. I had just gotten out of the hospital for wanting to kill myself. Um, and like that wasn't enough. So I picked up the phone. I don't really remember what led me to call you, but I, um, I did. And I told her what was going on. I said, look, I cannot stop drinking. I don't know what to do. And she didn't hang up the phone, which to me, I was so ashamed of where I was at <laughs> that for someone to come in, listen to me and not hang up the phone and be like, it's going to be okay. Um, and continue to pick up and show up with love and kindness. Uh, was amazing. So we continued talking. Honestly, those few days are pretty blurry. And, um, but I did remember like this woman's not, she's not leaving. You know, she didn't say you're so fucked up. You're too fucked up for the program. Cause that's honestly what I was thinking was like, I'm too much of an alcoholic for this program. Um, and then I went to rehab. So I went to rehab and called her and was like, okay, you know, I'm working steps one through three in rehab and then we'll start with four once I get out. Like I was ready. Cause I was, I was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to die? Like, I guess I only have fucking sobriety to do other than not die now. So I was like, so stoked on it. And, um, yeah, she's just really held me with, with the love and kindness that I needed. And I've been able to open up to her in ways that I've never been able to open up before. Um, and you know, just telling her, everything. Like I built a relationship with this woman and I've told her every single awful thing that I've done and the dirtiest, deepest secrets that Mel has held within her. That's made me feel like I'm not worthy. I'm never going to be loved. I'm never going to have friends that love me. Um, you know, I don't deserve a job that I love. Like there's this whole big thing that like, I am not worth it because I'm a piece of shit. 
um, she helped me work through that because she didn't leave. And um, I mean, I'm just really grateful for that. And I think sponsorship is probably one of the most important pieces of AA and of recovery, just because you get to build a relationship with someone who really, I mean, I think of her as my guardian angel who saved my life. Um, I'm going to cry again. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I want you guys to hear her story. It's so crazy. I, I see her and there's like, you look at her and you're like, there's no way she's an alcoholic. Like she's fucking beautiful. She has everything. Like <laughs> I didn't believe it. I saw her. I was like, there's no way I take it. Like there's no way. Um, but, uh, her story is pretty dope and yeah, I'll, I'll ask you some questions afterwards, but take it away. May. Thank you so much for that thoughtful and kind introduction. You are one of my favorite, favorite people too. And I know I say this a lot, but you keep me just as sober as you think that I'm keeping you being my sponsee. And we'll get more into that, I'm sure. So I'll just start off with um, qualifying is what we say in Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is May. I am 33 years old and my sobriety date is May 10th. 2017. Um, one of my goals was to get sober by 30. So I just made the cut. As you can see, I just celebrated three years uh, of sobriety in May. And um, so I will start by just telling you about my story, um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I am pretty normal. <laughs> it, it was really, let's just say it was really difficult coming in the rooms and quali you know, qualifying, quote unquote, for being an alcoholic when you come from a, you know, mid to upper class family, living in the suburbs, parents who are still married to this day, so over 40 years, and three other siblings, you know, we're all within six years of each other. With that said, though, I truly believe that I was born an alcoholic, not necessarily because of craving substance, but because of my actions and the way that I was feeling and thinking most of the time. I was always very secretive. Secrets were the best thing and secrets and lying. Just I I thrived off of um always trying to find ways to get something that wasn't mine. And so manipulating every situation and um also wanting to control everything, which is a lot, you know, of uh character not character defects, but, you know, characteristics that alcoholics have, um, wanting to control perfection, um, manipulation. <laughs> We're really good at that one. Um, and lying for, for no reason, you know, like making up my age, making up where I live, making up how many siblings I had. And just because, I mean, it's not like I benefited from anything, any, you know, thing by doing that. And, um, cheating, 
you know, always, I just wanted that thrill. I wanted that high off life that I wasn't getting from maybe just living in the norm of, of society or how I was being raised. And, um, so, you know, staying out late with, you know, the rubble of the street and hiding in bushes. So my parents couldn't find me and whatever I could do just to get that like little thrill, like, am I going to get caught? So, um, so that just really continued. And one thing about my story is it really is parallel with my eating disorder. I also suffer from, uh, bulimia and anorexia, um, and just body, body image in general. Um, which I, again, this is control. It, it really had nothing to do with how I how thought I look or how I felt I looked. It was just like, what can I control? So I remember always finding ways to, again, manipulate and control started with, with just food and eating and lack of eating and that type of stuff. Again, to, to feel the high, to feel the emptiness, to feel the fullness, even when I wanted to be a rebel and actually eat, um, and I use the term rebel as <laughs> like what like there's so many ways to define it because thinking I was a rebel for actually eating a solid lunch was huge for me, you know. Um, let's fast forward to when I really started drinking. I started drinking in high school, and it was I. I say this, um, I was never a social drinker and that is sometimes hard to believe and hard to relate to. But I, from the first time that I was sitting in a tent with four other girlfriends and one of the girlfriend's dads, and we were passing around a beer. And this was probably like, I think I was in seventh grade. So I don't even qualify it as my first drink, but having one sip, and knowing that this is a substance that can do something to me to take me out of me, I want more of. But just the knowing that it wasn't enough. And even thinking like, I wonder if I can go in the kitchen and would there be more, you know? And not wanting to tell the friends, you know? Um, and even like holding the beer longer in my mouth just to see like something has to happen. Like I have to get out of myself. So that happened so young and, you know, then I didn't, didn't drink, uh, again, just focusing on controlling and feeling different with, with food substances, um, with food as a main substance. And then, uh, when I was 16, that's when I really had my first drink, which I don't really remember the first drink, but, um, I remember right afterwards being like, okay, here we go. Who can get me a fake ID? Who can get me into bars? Who can take me up to the city? How can I... I need to find my people right away who want to drink like me. And I need to drink more than them. Um, and it was, again, the secrets. I, I would be in charge of buying up. I would buy up for everybody. I would buy extra for me. I would pregame alone. I'd go to the friend's house to pregame with them, which I would have like one drink 
And then I'd go to the main party, maybe have a drink. And then by that time, I'm obliterated because here's a girl that's not really eating and having seven shots before she sees anybody. And so the the thing kind of started was May was allergic to alcohol. You know, that was like, if, if May's going to drink, you know, we got to watch her because she can only have a couple. And even even with all the times that I ended up in literally gutters, it's high school. You know, you your friends don't know what to do with a drunk person. So they just throw you in gutters and sides of fences outside of baseball fields and halfway in a car, halfway out of a car, you know, like because they're just as drunk or they're, you know, they're wanting to actually have fun. And we're so young. We're so young. Um, you know, 16, 17, 18. And um, so, you know, that that stuff started continuing. And then I started putting together like, okay, if I want to drink, then I have to make sure I eat. And let's try not to drink so much beforehand. Let's drink during. But then sometimes I drink how I wanted to during. And people would be like, whoa, you're drinking a lot. And I'd be like, oh, shoot. Like my whole facade. This is another thing that I always thrive to live to as a kid and, and still struggle with. But having this outside appearance of being absolutely perfect and flawless and you know no one needs to ask me how I am because they can just look and tell like oh she's nothing to worry about and I think I was doing that to compensate for you know stuff at home and just the norm the normalities of everyday struggles with the world and your friends and you know trying to be the sanest one when you're when you know you're the most insane or the most broken on the inside. So, um, so it was always so scary when other people would point out when I was doing something that wasn't of character or wasn't the, you know, good girl type thing. Um, but you know, that soon goes out the window when you're drinking, you're trying to drink and trying to <laughs> look perfect. It just doesn't work. Um, so fast forward, I decided to do my first geographic when I went to college, went to the university. I chose my college off a party. Uh, you know, I say that I say I chose it for like, well, I did choose it for the sports. I went to the university of Kansas and I, you know, chose it for the sports, Greek life getting out of, uh, you know, living in a small town. I wanted to experience that and different people. And, uh, I told my parents that it was also because I, it, the journalism school was the third in the nation at the time, right behind, uh, Notre Dame and, uh, in another prestigious school, (laughs) let's say Harvard just for fun. Um, but it was really just to part the first time I went there, I met up with my friend's cousins. They took me to the bars. We, you know, I, I was at that time, I was staying with my dad uh, at the hotel. So I didn't drink too. Well, again, I, I drank a lot, but not alcoholic may a lot. So it was, you know, me being able to, but it was just so much fun. You know, here's this girl that is first time going out to the bars with college boys. They were all juniors. And I was like, Hey boys, um, wearing my silly little tube top, you know, <laughs> and like tight ass skirt 
to a Kansas bar. Ah. Uh, it was very apparent that I was a you know California girl too. Um, so yeah, you get the you know. Then I got the nickname Cali. Um, and but yeah, that's how I chose my school. So that that was the first. And we say geographic, meaning you you pull you leave a place where you've already caused some damage and havoc thinking that you can arrive to another place to just start over. That was exactly it. I was like, I'm going to go to Kansas. No one's going to know me. I get to do this. I get to be that. I get to blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, my alcoholism in ED came along with me. So freshman year was really difficult uh, because I, I was... I ended up being sick at the beginning of the year. So I felt like I missed out at a lot of the bonding time. So how does one make up for that? They have to attend every single party. They have to black out at every single party. They have to sleep with every single, you know, you just, you, I was overcompensating for, for being, (laughs) being in the hospital for about two months. Um, anyways, fast forward, but I, again, I was right where I was. I was, you know, exercising way too much. I was drinking way too much. Um, and it just kept going five minutes. No, you can, uh, there's is someone pouring dog food. That's. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, she's- laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's the water is just like dripped on her face. Um, so back, so college, uh, I came with me. So, and I didn't solve anything. It just, you know, got worse and worse because everyone around you is now drinking the way that you can be drinking. But again, with me being, with me wanting to be so secretive, I was still trying to pull that card like, oh no, I'm not drinking tonight. Uh, yet I'm pre-gaming and I have vodka in my water bottle and I'm the one that's passing out and everyone's like, what's going on with this check? Um, and blacking out. Blacking out was norm every single time I drank, even to the point where I would test out, test it out by having like one drink. I'd be like, I'm just having this well, one drink. I'm holding up my fingers to be like a full eight ounce of vodka. That's my one drink. Um, drink it. And I literally wouldn't remember any of the next day. It just, it was a weird, it was weird. Um, so blacking out was totally normal. And I never was the one that would try and figure out anything. I wouldn't try and figure out where I was, I, why I woke up where I did, who I was with, where my things were. I would just start the day anew because I could not handle the feelings of guilt, shame, embarrassment, pity. You know, like people like pity stares, the walk, uh, was that called? Shame walk? Walk of shame. Walk of shame. <laughs> um, so it's been so long. I've matured so much since then. I forget what it is called. Um, but yeah, so, so I, you know, I was never, I never wanted to know. And I, so imagine the buildup for about, you know, like almost, almost 15 years of not wanting to know your life, really. Uh, your drunken stupors. And, um, so college, um, hit some depression when I studied abroad in Spain, another geographic that I tried to pull and tried to go with some high school friends. 
and that did not work. I was the most depressed and I didn't know what depression was. You know, again, I'm this like happy, happy, go lucky cheerleader type girl. So I was still keeping up this huge facade, but I was at that time, you know, gaining weight and hating myself. So drinking even more just to not having, you know, not have to look in the mirror and, um, bad news bears, um, led to, you know, so much blacking out led to even, you know, sexual assault. And, um, but again, I was so in the, I don't need to know what just happened. So let's not think about it. So, and that's horrible with depression because then you're just this like time bomb waiting to like, not explode, but waiting to dig yourself into a deeper depression, like hole. So when I got back senior year, that's what it was. I just, I was alone. I I basically isolated myself so much that I lost everything. Um, Don't know how I passed. Um, Yeah. Don't know how I I graduated. Don't, I didn't keep any friends. Um, Lost all high school friends too, that I had tried to stay with. Uh, And so didn't graduate with the, Oh, I can't wait to visit this place again, or I can't wait to stay, you know, these are, this is my alma mater. Well, I love Kansas, but you know, not, not, I, I didn't know the people. The people didn't know me. They lost me. So, you know, the life, life afterwards is kind of the same. Went home, started in an IT company. Uh, I was drinking round the clock. I was never not sober starting from age 20, 21 on. And, uh, I would try bits and pieces here if I had to see family or had to make early flights or had to do something where I knew I just physically couldn't, um, if I was drinking, like go to the doctors, um, excuse me. Uh, but you know, that's when I started getting in poor relationships and taking geographics that way. So geographics to the Caribbean. I lived there for about a year and worked on ships, did the whole below deck situation. And, you know, they're, they're all alcoholics out there. I don't know. Let me, in case someone's listening, totally generalizing. Um, but I didn't even feel like I could keep up with them. And again, I was, I was drinking all the time. Um, so much rum and then moved to Australia and then moved to Dallas and then moved to, but again, we come with ourselves. So, uh, the first time I got sober was when I was 25 and I did not do it for me. I did it for my brother is also an alcoholic. No wonder we were best friends growing up. And he basically told me to get sober. And so when my partner in crime is telling me to get sober, I, I get sober and yet I didn't. So I treated the first, treated the first rehab as a spa, you know, massages once a week, personal trainer, personal chef. My poor parents don't know what they like. Um, I have yet to tell them that, that story. Um, but did not work because again, I did not get sober for me. That led to, you know, more lost jobs, just me being drunk and 
pushing down as many feelings as possible. And yeah, then I finally started wanting to get sober again when I pretty much got fired from, from one job, um, had a huge bottom. We were celebrating Easter at my grandmother's house. There was going to be like 20 of us there. I had invited friends from Dallas who I met over, over in Dallas. And so they weren't going to know anybody. And I, the night before I was like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. It's going to be fine. At this time, everyone thinks I'm not drinking. See secrets again. Um, so, and yet I wake up the next morning. I'm with a friend too, with one of my best friends. Um, and, and so we're both not drinking, you know, and then I wake up the next morning, I'm getting dressed and I find half a bottle of vodka. Half a water bottle of vodka and like a big water bottle. Well, what is what does one do? You know, you're not gonna waste it. <laughs> you're not you're you're thinking like, ooh, I could wait until I get home from Easter, but then the whole time at Easter, I'm gonna da da da. So I know I just had breakfast. That means I can probably drink. So I'm going through all these like insane algorithms in my head and and decide to just chug it. You know, literally this is like 10 minutes before we're leaving. So I chug it and then we go and in the car you know, blackout, get to the, my grandparents' house. I apparently have conversations with people, but I don't make it inside. Taken to the hospital, blow a 0.42. Nurse tells me, sweetheart, you should be dead. When I wake up, you know, like three hours later or something. A 0.42? I didn't know that was yes. possible. You it, win. It is. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know if I want to win this award, but, uh, <laughs> um, but thank you. Thank you. Um, it was an accomplishment, but again, it did not suffer me up for a second. Well, it did ultimately cause me to, you know, then I started getting texts from my family saying like, we're done. We are done. Um, and instead of just jumping into the first action and saying like, okay, then I'm going to go to rehab for them. So I don't lose them. It was taking a step back, literally giving myself a month of trying to get off drinking and seeing how I just felt about getting sober. Cause I'd never done that before. And so then I decided to go, to go to a rehab and I did it solely for me. I mean, I, I, you know, really didn't, ask my parents permission. It was, I didn't really ask for their advice. It was just, I'm doing this. This is the one I want, you know, and, um, and then went and it, it saved my life. Ended up staying for 45 days. And, and, you know, even after that, there were still some slips. It took me a while. Um, cause again, it's just, it's a, it's a disease and it's something that was so it didn't start working until I wanted to work on myself, which again, for someone that was shoving down every single feeling and thought and opinion and anything, um, because of just wanting to be that person that people looked at and said, okay, she has her shit together. Um, it it was a lot to un, unfold. So that's when that's 
you know, therapy helped in my recovery so much. I remember with my first therapist, um, who I was with for, for most of my sobriety, about, about three and a half years. Um, first time I, I, I like, I wasn't drinking. I had not been drinking for a little bit, but I walk in her office and I tell her to sit down and I just start talking. And I just start literally like I blacked out of how I was telling all my stories, but I just, I told her everything. And it was the first time I was able to do that. And the fact that similar to what Mel was saying, like she didn't run, she just sit back, sat back um, and said, I want to work with you. And I was like, Oh, hello. You know, like, and she was probably the, you know, my first angel before I found um, my sponsor. So, so you went to this rehab and like, then you tried AA or then like, or did you go to another rehab? I can't remember. Yes. So I, in that rehab is when I was introduced to AA. The previous rehab, we worked with CBT, cognitive behavioral theory. And the great thing about AA is you do a little bit of both, uh, but it's more structured with, with obviously the steps and, so again, similar to, similar to you, when I was in rehab, I worked, you know, as many steps as I could. And, um, and then actually got introduced to my first sponsor while I was there to meet in San Francisco. And this is where I think sponsorship is so important to find someone that you really relate to because the person that I was introduced to, I only stayed with her because I thought I would look bad if I didn't go with her because this nice gentleman in rehab told me to, you know, that she's great and that she needs a sponsee and she'd keep me sober. So I was like, okay, well, I have to do this because, you know, otherwise I'm disappointing people. I'm letting people down. Oh, shame, shame, shame. And, um, and this is a woman that literally would have two glasses of wine and think she was out of control. How do you, how do you relate to, how do I relate to that? I'm one that has seven bottles of wine and can still stand and be like, okay, now I guess I'll try the Okay. You know, like what the, so, so I was not honest with her at all. I was like, me too. Oh, me. Oh, you had, you had two glasses of wine. <laughs> Like I literally started having two glasses of wine when I was 13 and see in my story, I don't even qualify that as like my first drink. That's like how much of a, you know, I really didn't have my first drink when I was 16 and had the, you know, four ounces of vodka in that mixed drink. Like that was my first drink, not the, you know, cold duck I had growing up, not the one thing of beer. And, um, cause it was never what, it was never a drink. It was just like a tease. Like, whatever. Um, so the, how did you find, how did you find the sponsor that you have now? You've been with her, what, almost three years, right? Yes. Yes. So the sponsor I have now, I've been with three years. I, a little over three years, I want to say. Yeah. Four years, actually. Um, again, I wanted to get sober when I was 30. So that means I started when I was like 28, you know, to really like, okay, let's do this. And so it really took me to get into the rooms and to get through rehabs and to find 
what I was really wanting to get sober for, which was me and survival and having a life. So how I found <laughs> how she found me was I started going to this one meeting super late across town to not see anybody, but it was a pretty popular meeting and uh, they had a really cool format that I liked. Um, and I kept relapsing. I, I kept getting to, um, or this is before, this is like my, my, after my first relapse. And so I show up looking like shit. You can't deny it. Everyone knows when you walk in the door, you're looking at them like, okay, they're a newcomer because they're just finding us or they're a newcomer because they relapsed. And at that point, I'd been around the room. So people had known me. Um, but, but I, apparently I looked really bad that day, <laughs> that, that night. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember I, I, my sponsor was sitting in front of me. And so I raised my hand to introduce myself as a newcomer, um, again, you know, I was like, uh, again. Um, and, and she, you know, just kind of looks at me and she has this, this face and this smile and just kind of like, um, this bitch face sometimes. <laughs> just like, wow. I must like, I just remember her turning her shoulder and being like, Ooh, girl, girl. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, but afterwards she came up to me, she came up to me and asked if I was working with someone. And I said, no, because at that time I'd left the old sponsor was just in between, um, trying to figure ish out. And, uh, and so she, she came up to me and she's like, Hey, you know, do you have a sponsor? Okay. Uh, do you want to, she didn't say let's work together, but she said, can I be there for you until you find one? Yes. So then I, you know, she's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. Call me at this time. She's picking up. So she's like, call me every day. We'll check in. Um, and then we'll go from there. And within, I think that that was a Thursday. So talked with her Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday at work called her. And, you know, she could either tell that I was about to drink again or what, but she's like, we're working together and we're meeting and starting the steps now. Cause that's what I I needed more structure or I needed something. Um, and then in, even with her, I, it took me two more, two more times of going out. And every time it was me not doing enough work on myself and thinking I had to do work for others. That was my whole problem is just putting others before me. How do they look at me? How do they feel about me? Not how I felt about myself. And one thing that my sponsor always says is you are here to save your ass, not your face. And I just love that because yeah, I need to save my fucking ass. And I don't care. Like I I need to stop caring what people think about me and what I say and what, you know, I, I just need to do what I need to do to stay sober. So, yeah, so we started, we started working together and she saved my life. Her, her, and, you know, every time I say that she saved my life, she's like, no, it's, it's all HP and that's higher power. And, um, which I believe is completely true as well. I, I believe that when you're, working with another human being to better their lives, your life, and to ultimately save each other, 
you're not doing it alone. It's not based of things that I've, I just know, or, you know, pick up. It's things that God wants me to pick up, to have flow through me, to get to you, to, to save you in some way. Um, so that's totally what she did for me. And again, being that woman that you just tell everything to, and it did, it's embarrassing shit, my friends. But like, how, so how did you know that she was like, she was going to get you, you know? I, yeah, I feel like a lot of people come in, they're like, how do I pick a sponsor? Like what felt right to you? So what felt right to me was, I, I, I weirdly want to say her laugh. Um, she has this infectious laugh that just, I, well, I wanted what she had. She would come in just confident wearing these awesome cowboy boots, cowgirl boots. And then she had this laugh that if you heard it, you might like be like, Ooh, that's pretty intense. But if you, she owns everything she does. And, um, and so it just makes it that much more powerful and lovable. And, and the fact that she listened, the fact that she never put so much of her experience on me that I felt like I wasn't being heard. If that makes sense. Like she was definitely, um, I, I, I learned as I worked with her, how similar we were, but I was never bombarded by her saying like me finishing a story and then her jumping in and telling her whole story. I, I, I felt really hurt and very understood and very like the space for me just to be was huge. It was just, it was huge. And I never had that. Never had that. Not with parents, not with friends, not with coworkers, not with myself. I never gave myself space. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's how. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm (laughs) reflecting back and I remember it was your big old diamond engagement ring. And your super clear skin. I was like, this bitch. I was almost jealous. I was like, how does this happen? Like, there's no way I'm gonna get this big engagement ring and some clear skin and sobriety. And then you like wanted me to come out to fellowship. And I was like, who is this woman? She's nice. Is she being is she being like manipulatively nice? And it's like, nope, she was just being nice. (laughs) And then yeah, I mean, we sat down and I, I I think it was really just the you listened and I, I hadn't thought about it before until you're, you're telling me right now, but like you didn't share your whole experience with me after I'd be like, I did this unless I asked really because you wanted to give me that space. So that's good to know looking back, you know? Um, Cause there's still like, I'm listening to your story right now and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and I think that's really important. I hadn't thought about that before, but I mean, just providing that space to be and then to not walk away you know, like sitting down and Jane's and me just being like, I don't know if I can tell her this, this stuff because she's going to leave. Like I'm so fucked up that this person is not going to want to be around me. And you were like, girl, I kept asking you like, are you okay? Like, is this okay? And you're like, just eat your donut. Like, <laughs> It's going to be fine. I'm not leaving you, you know? And that's so important. Yeah, I completely agree. You want to work with someone who is definitely a me too. You know, you just, you, you, the last thing you want to feel in a relationship with a sponsor is alone or that you can't trust them. 
because you've probably felt that way your entire life. And that's probably why you might have been drinking. Um, I know for me, it was. So, you know, the head nod goes a long way. And, and just the, you know, the slow me too's that are revealed over time um, is just, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, um, like you looking so perfect, but then hearing like how much you drank um, was just like, oh my God, that feeling that I had coming into the rooms, like I'm too much of an alcoholic. Like I wouldn't have wanted to be with that, that sponsor who was like, oh, I had two glasses of wine a night and I'm off to the races. Like, fuck off. That's not off to the races. I'll show you off to the races. Okay, lady. (laughs) And like, also you just, you, again, like you had what I wanted. I didn't really know what I wanted, but it was, you seemed stable. You seemed nice. You, you know, the things that you were talking about that were your problems were honest and deep, but they weren't like, I just fucked three guys last night and woke up on the bench. It was like, I'm having a really hard time showing up for myself today. I'm working on, you know, asking for what I need. And these were the things that I was like, I looked at you and I was like, I want to be able to show up for myself the way that she's showing up for herself with honesty and integrity. Um, and has almost like not surpassed her past, but has worked through all the like shame of, you know, I just slept with three guys last night and I'm on a bed, you know, like that stuff to work on like the real authentic. And I think that's, that's what really kept me, kept me with you in the beginning. I was like, Oh man, I do want what she wants. And she seems like she, she's encompassing her full self and the engagement ring. That thing's fucking huge. Uh, yes, you can um, get a huge engagement ring when you get sober. Well, that's well. To, and to your point, there, you know, of course, I have stories where I slept with three guys and ended up on a bench. But from working the steps, from being completely honest, open-minded, and willing, and being patient, I have been able to put, you know, the. Um, like I'm not shutting the door on the past because it is so much of who I am, but it's not what I need to discuss or work on at this moment today. And that's where, you know, being able to continue to work. Like now I'm going through the steps again with a focus on like internalizing, like, and really like the connection for everything and with everything and with everyone just diving really deep. And, um, mainly on self. And, um, and yeah, I guess, should I talk a little bit about where I am today? Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I will. Well, yeah. So, so I got, so when I finally wanted to get sober for me, I chose to work in an environment where I could be just completely surrounded with wellness in spirit and love. And so I found myself working at a yoga studio, which was perfect for me. Um, and, and then long story short, um, meet someone who we, you know, just clicked and actually didn't realize we were both in the program until our third date. And because our dates are 
previous, like our first two dates where you, you just didn't drink. Um, if I was still drinking, I would have been drinking, you know, of course you take your dogs walking on a beach with a water bottle full of vodka, you know? Um, but I wasn't, I was trying not to drink. Um, but so, so just, just kind of stating the importance of not doing it for someone else. Um, I, you know, was, was getting sober. I had met this person. He was different. Um, and we suggest in the first year of your sobriety that you're not supposed to date anyone. But since this was like my first year, five times going, um, we, we kind of, we kind of broke that little, you know, that little, that little rule. Um, after a lot of talk with my therapist and with my sponsor, I mean, we exhausted the situation. Um, but one thing that I also struggled with and so many of us do is self-sabotage when things are getting too good. What do we do? And the one time, the last time that I drank was we had been dating for, let's see, probably two months and it was too good. You know, I was getting promoted at the yoga studio. I was, you know, happy, like what the fuck is happy, you know? Um, happy without a substance. So this was huge, you know, like these feelings, I'm so high. Um, and so what do I do? I, I drink. I literally just the stupidest grabbing a, a wine that was by a sink and just taking it to the face and literally putting it down and being like, okay, I'm actually doing this for me. Like I, I'm not doing this for someone else. Like, wow. And, um, and and so that was kind of my, my light, I guess you could say, because it was finally realizing that I am worth it. And not because I have a new guy in my life or I have a new job or I have relationships again. It was just because I liked myself, you know, like, so, um, so yeah. So then that guy turned out to be the one and, uh, we got engaged and, and married and, um, our, uh, my sponsor actually was our officiant at our wedding, which is just the most special thing in the world, having her up there with us and being so much part of our story. And now I am six months pregnant Aha! with a little baby girl. And again, my, my sponsor gets to bless her at my baby shower uh, that's coming up in October. And my sponsee will be there. And this is, this is where the family grows and this is where the true relationships lie. And, uh, I owe all of it to my sobriety, my spiritual connection with my higher power and my fellowship and everyone that I surround myself with. Um, which gets so much easier with time and with working the steps and with just enjoying yourself in the life that is being laid out for you. That's amazing. Oh my God. That's just so beautiful. <laughs> He's blessing your baby at the baby shower. Oh, um, yeah, man. I mean, so I like, when I came in, I wasn't doing it for me. It kind of felt like, well, I mean, I guess I was, it was like, I didn't want to die and that was where I was headed. So I came in. But then, I mean, I think through working with you and connecting with other women and obviously like going to meetings and hearing my story, um, I was able to begin to like myself. 
I mean, that took some, and that took some time too. Like everyone's story is different. Like for me, I think I started to actually enjoy who I was at like month nine. Um, cause I had began to learn about who Mel really was. I did, I've been drinking since I was 15 years old, like constantly. <laughs> there was no real authentic Mel to, to underneath it all at first. It was like, I have to figure out her quirks and like all the things that I was ashamed of. I actually like, I don't know, I'm a weirdo and I love it. Like <laughs> I say what's on my mind. Like there's so many things I could go on and on, which isn't like ego. It's just appreciation for who I am. And I don't think that really would have happened if I didn't have the connection to you that I, that I have because you held me with like the love, the kindness, um, for me to show up as like my authentic Mel before I even know who, like knew who this authentic Mel was. Um, and you accepted, I mean, I've come up to you being like, Oh my God, I went to this social event and I stuttered 25 times and I don't know if they like me. And, um, I farted like, Oh God, it's just all over. <laughs> and like it, some of those people are like my best friends now. It's you need someone who's able to like just let you be you when you're like fucking afraid of yourself. I had to feel all the feelings and I had to like sit with me. Like that shit was awful. Um and I had someone to call where it's like, is this normal? Um, when do I love myself? Like and you just you're there, you know? Um so I'm just forever grateful. And like it's totally a god shot. Like there's no way again, I don't really remember those first three days when I was like on the phone with you. Um, I remember I did ask you, I was like, can I come over as I'm like drunk as fuck? <laughs> You're like, let me just check in with my husband. I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I would have thrown up literally all over your house. So I'm glad you didn't. Um, and yeah, it's totally God. You know, I, I think of you as like a guardian angel sent to me because you were exactly what I needed and like need today. And now, you know, we have this relationship. I mean, it wasn't like I, I looked her in the eyes and knew that this was it. Like you build a relationship with someone. Um, but there were things that I've mentioned, like she didn't fucking run away that helped me to stay. And then the relationship was built. So you get to bless my baby and you get to be at my wedding. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, I could go on and on, but I'm just going to ask you a couple couple questions before I let you go. Um, so in what ways have you seen me grow the most since we started, uh, working together? And then what ways have you seen yourself grow since we've started working together? Great questions. I have seen you, where haven't I seen you grow? I have seen you become more patient. And when I say that, it's more so with yourself. And even if you find yourself saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing this wrong. I'm feeling this way. I shouldn't be doing this. You, you talk about it, you know, and then, and then you kind of pause. And then you kind of go back and you're thinking what, you know, you analyze it and then, and then you pause and then you, you know, kind of end up saying like, well, that's just right now, you know, like, okay. I, it's, it's even lessened now that I've just stopped and thought about it. So I think just the, the having patience and faith in what you're feeling being completely normal and part of human experience is is completely 
just a, it's a gift. It's really just like your, and your awareness, your awareness to, um, how things like if you're going to do something, how it might affect you or after you do it, that's why it affected you that way. And just your, your curiosity to everything and wanting to continue not over it's it's not wanting to reach perfection or reach certain goals and then be done it's just like let's what what next what what can i do just a little next like not a huge thing and it's not like you ever feel like you need you know you're you're working you're just working through shit and and it's a lot of stuff that comes with life and but you're not you're just not giving up and um i just so admire that and sometimes just you know reflect back to my my young sobriety self where you know if someone had shut me down or you know said certain things to me i would be like okay where's that vodka you know and you're just like why am i feeling this way you're just like I- i'm sitting with these and i hate it you know and talking about it just talking about it is such is such a gift and it's scary as heck so facing your fears too um which has been something from day 1 i think and um and yeah and that's that's how i've grown you know just seeing you as an example of being someone that you know, yes, doesn't have as much sobriety, but that doesn't mean they have less living than I do, if that makes sense. Um, you know, we're, we come from the same family with this disease and it stems from the feelings that we all share a little more intensely than others. And we we've all learned to cope with it in the same way of numbing. And now we're all on this journey of finding the tools that have worked for other people that now work for us and sharing those. So, you know, I, I see you come up with tools that work for you and I'm like, Oh, let me try that. You know? And then, Oh, it works for me. Let me tell my sponsor. And then it works for her. Like the lineage just, it goes back and forth. It's not just a, you know, angled downward. And like all of us just, you know, we're, we're teaching them everything they know. No, 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 no. It's a back and forth, you know, flow for sure. And, um, and yeah, so uh, I know that you've definitely helped me with my, with my eating disorder (laughs) in the sense that I so admire you because Mel is just one of those people that again, she says whatever she wants and she eats whatever she wants and she has no, she doesn't apologize like at all. And for someone who just was so inside her mind all the time with like what she was eating um, before anything else, like not even enjoying an experience, um, being with someone who just, you know, loves love or loves, you know, just whatever she's experiencing at that time. And, and so I really, I just, I, you, you've helped me in so many ways. Like when I have a donut, I just think of you and I'm like, this is fun. Like, this is fun. (laughs) Mel made this fun, you know, or like waffles. (laughs) So 
the background behind this is, I mean, it's all true, but I, I, the things that brought me joy in early sobriety were literally just food. I'd be like, April, we need to go somewhere to do our sponsorship meeting that has waffles. So what if we do like, instead of like a beer tour, we do like a waffle tour around, around the city. And then we went to Johnny's, like we've, we've, eaten everywhere and she just sits there and watches me like holy shit you're gonna eat all of that right now i'm like fuck yeah i am then i'm ready to do sponsorship it'll give me the power but yeah literally i (laughs) i remember like bringing you a donut to this meeting and i was like wow she's gonna be so excited this is gonna be amazing and um you were like well donuts are something that actually triggers me i was like oh shit (laughs) but then i had two donuts so it was fine for me (laughs) anyways yeah well, and, and that was probably one of the most uh, vulnerable parts of my like ED sobriety because ED recovery was because I could have eaten it and could have felt like shit and could have, you know, internalized everything I was feeling or just been like, hey, here's a woman that I am, you know, trusting with myself and she's trusting all of her with me. Why not just tell her that, hey, I'm still working through this and donuts are extremely triggering. And here, now you have two. <laughs> like, like, and you got, you got to laugh about it when it comes to certain, like, cause I told, you know, and you just held it again, you made space and you were, were curious, like what other foods? Um, cause I didn't want to feel alone. And what I, I knew I was only the one that was, you know, experiencing this, but you definitely gave me space to, you know, express that, you know, I'm working up to, to donuts. I'm working up <laughs> and I've, I've made it. I've had a few. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you even had like a bite at Johnny's. So progress, progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, um, okay. Just a couple more questions. What do you suggest to others struggling with addiction and ED at the same time? I suggest talking about it in an AA meeting, say, say you come into the rooms and you know, your first at that time addiction that needs to be addressed is alcohol. I suggest sharing about it. That's where I raised my hand and said, you know, I am going to relapse again. I, you know, am struggling with my ED. I'm doing that, like literally just laid out what I was doing. Um, with restriction and everything. And like three other women came up to me and said, let's chat, you know, like here, here's the context, here's the books here, here are the meetings. You know, if you wanted to explore, um, OA or any of those other meetings, I never did. And, um, maybe because just at that time and at this time I wasn't ready to work two programs. I had to just focus on AA so that could be, I don't see it as a, you know, shut the door on it, but, um, I definitely just, just get it out there. Cause you're not alone, especially in women's groups. So share it in a women's, in a women's meeting. Yeah. I mean, it's so common. I feel like the majority of the women that I've spoken to were like, I got sober and then I, I wanted another, I had this other thing that came up with that made me want to control that feeling of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so normal. And like they say not to bring up outside issues, but so many things are intertwined 
that it's like, you're going to come in with depression and anxiety, you know? And it's important to talk about those things because people have resources, you know, like you have places to go. And if you don't talk about it, like, you know, you'll feel alone in your situation. So, um, so what resources do you use? Do you like, I don't know, maybe you could send me some links that I can post to my Instagram afterwards in this for people to know that there's, there's help and like what that looks like. Yes. I found pod podcasts actually. Um, especially at the beginning when I wasn't really ready to talk about it, but I wanted to hear other people's stories to, you know, get the me too's, you know, my head was, I'd be, I'd literally listen to podcasts all the time. Um, and to the point that they became my friends, you know, like I still say, you know, Holly, Holly and Laura are my best friends and they're, you know, just people on the podcast. Um, but they gave me a place to not feel alone. So I can definitely send you some links, some podcast links and finding people that you can trust. I mean, I, I literally have a thread where there's five other women and it's our, you know, it's our ED thread. And so when we're struggling, it's just, it's stopping whatever you're feeling in the moment, even if you're going to still do whatever you're going to do you know, um, but you're not alone. You're not alone. And, um, and then also depending on where you are, I, I went to an outpatient. So just getting more information about the type of facilities around where you live or what is feasible for you and what you are truly needing. Cause you know, at this time I felt strong in my sobriety and I just knew that this other thing might take that away from me. So I was so willing, again, the willingness, I was just so willing to do whatever I, I could to make life a little less painful for me wanting to control it. <laughs> um, and, and then books, um, I did buy the ED book, um, for like a similar form of Alcoholics Anonymous. So reading through that, um, just there's so much reading material, but I would start because there's so much and because it's overwhelming, just finding people you can talk to and, and taking, you know, allowing them to guide you through whatever path you're supposed to take in that sense. That's awesome. And when you say OA, just to clarify, that's Overeaters Anonymous, correct? Got it. Okay. Correct. Great. There's an uh, anonymous for fucking everything too. <laughs> so if you have a problem, there's probably a place, place to go. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll post those resources for you guys. I mean, more people struggle with eating disorders and addiction and alcoholism than, than we know. Um, and a lot of times it is intertwined, but I feel like so many people just think that this is their normal. And like, it doesn't have to be your normal. Like there's resources. Um, so... Uh, yeah, grateful that you talked about it. Okay, just a couple more questions and I'll let you go. We're going to do our sponsorship meeting after this. So I don't want to take all day. Um, what do you think is the hardest aspect about being a sponsor emotionally? That is a great question because so often just you have, you have to set boundaries. Uh, I found that difficult wanting to... wanting because everyone wants more friends. You know, you just want to build your network and it's so much fun. I want to be best friends with everybody. So setting boundaries for yourself 
when, yeah, just setting boundaries, um, and not, and doing your own work, you know, like if you were saying something that I was feeling a type of emotion towards that isn't natural or isn't, um, not, it isn't natural, but isn't a certain, whatever I was feeling, I wouldn't share that with you. You know, I would, I would, um, or not share that with you to an extent that now I'm asking you for help. This is when I, you know, I'm listening, I'm taking it all in, I'm feeling how I'm feeling. And then I'm taking it to my sources, to my resources and, um, and doing my work elsewhere. Um, and so it's really, you know, and there's such a, it, it, it's the finest line of a relationship because, you know, there's so much respect and, um, and you, you're literally growing and staying sober with this person, but, um, you can't come to the rescue. You, you, I, I cannot save you by having you come over when you're wasted at, at night. That's not gonna, that's not gonna save you. I, I can't force you to go to, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, even though that's what I suggested. And you said you were willing and that's how I got sober. I can't, you know, there's no forcing in this relationship. So sometimes that's really hard because you, you're loving this person so much that you're just wanting, it's like a parent relationship. You're just like, Oh, why aren't they listening? But then you're like, you didn't listen. Like I wasn't listening to my sponsor. And there's a reason for that because you need to learn whatever lesson you're going to learn without another human being controlling you. So, or trying to control you. And, and yeah, so, so it definitely takes some, some pausing and some, you know, again, working on self so you can better be there for, for others. Totally. No, I agree. And I mean, looking back, I think what was helpful is that even when I was making mistakes, you know, you being like, Hey, don't forget to call. But there was no, like, you haven't been calling every day. Like you need to get it together. Or like some people do really need like an authoritarian structure. Like you call me at 9am every single day because it shows this, it shows you're accountable. And like, those things are true, but like, I wouldn't come back. Like that scares me. So you being like, Hey, you know, I, I really want you to, to still call me every single day. I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'll work on it. I hear you. Um, because that's just how I operate. So, um, I think it's just really important to get the sponsor that's going to use the emotions that you need. And what I needed was like love, kindness, and compassion. Even when, you know, I wasn't doing 90 meetings in 90 days. I hope my sponsee doesn't fucking hear that. (laughs) Don't listen to me. Do 90 meetings in 90 days. Mom, I did it. Ugh. Well, okay. I'm just gonna ask you one more question. So I see, I see our relationship kind of as like sister, guardian, angel, mom, God, like you're literally all four of those things in one less mom. I'd say like sister, guardian, angel, and God, um, in your own words, how would you describe our relationship and how does it differ from your relationship with your sponsor? You can think about it. Yeah, good question. Um, well, I definitely see. Hold on, I'm going to sneeze. Am I going to sneeze? Okay, I'm not going to sneeze. Um, 
Um, so I agree with, with the, you know, with feeling like a sister. Um, but not, I mean, it's an interesting, it's the, like some, or like a, um, I don't know why this is so hard to just describe, you know, like, I, I don't think I would ever have, you know, screaming open fights with you because that's what I have done with my sister. Yet I see us and I believe we have, if we've come to a block in our relationship where like one of us is confused or needs more clarification of like what advice is being given. And then, and then decides that that doesn't work for them. There's no, there's talking through it. So, um, you know, someone that is, I mean, I feel like I'm definitely, I mean, you're, you're making me want to be a better person for, for me because I want the best for you. So I guess, you know, like a family relationship, let's just leave it at, um, no, that makes sense. And it, you know, the openness, like I don't have to be anything but myself. You know, I've shown up in tears. I've shown up like today's a great day. I've been like, I don't agree with that. Can we talk about a different solution? Um, and not feeling like I'm not able to speak my truth. Um, and a big part of that is because I, one of my biggest character defects is not telling the truth. Like, what can I do to get you to love me? And I don't have to do that with you. I think you're like the first, you were the first person to open up that idea that like, I can just be, I can explain what I'm feeling. And you're not going to think I'm rude because I'm not a rude person. You know, I don't have to fake it around you to be able to, you know, share how I really feel. And I think that's really important. Um, especially with my specific character defects of like, I just want you to want to want to hang out with me and like want to love me. Um, which I, yeah, I think is really special. And like, you know, you're not my friend. You're like sister guardian, angel mom family. <laughs> it's different. It's different. But I don't know. I asked that question because I feel like I'm asking that question because I feel like people come in and they see the sponsor as like someone who, uh, knows everything takes you to the steps and then like you're done and like that's not what it is or what it should be like it's a relationship that keeps building um for you to have the relationship that you want um so that's why I think it's really important you know don't jump in head first with someone you don't know uh maybe get like a temporary sponsor while you're still searching so that you can start on the steps and there is some structure but like take your time you know like you I just knew you felt right and like went with it, you know? So I'm grateful for you. Yes. And all, I mean, all of these are suggestions and, um, but I agree that, you know, finding the person that you can just open your complete self to in ways that you are scared to death and jump in in that sense. And this person, you know, you, you more so feel the connection than having to them to say like, Oh yes, me too. Um, is just, is I know so important for how I've stayed sober and you know, it sounds like how, how 
you were staying sober with me as your sponsor. Um, so, you know, and again, that's just a preference for how I wanted my relationship with my sponsor. I wanted it to be something more than just a person that's walking me through the steps, keeping me sober. And then I start sponsoring and then our hands are clean. You know, I wanted like, no, I want this person to be in my life. If they're going to be so much a part of the new and improved or the true authentic May that's going to be coming out, you know, like they're bringing her to life. So I need someone that I know will be there with me for the long run. And, and it just happened to, you know, that person was put before me by higher powers and, you know, and she's been such a instrumental part of, you know, my life. And I see my going, going on family life and, um, and then same with you, Miss Thing. Yes. And I feel like I've gotten some comments from the past couple episodes where they're like, I'm never going to have, I feel like I'm never going to have these relationships with women. Um, and I mean, I didn't like, I fucked up all my relationships before I came into the program. Um, Cause I wasn't re- my real me, but I do have this. And like, I want my listeners to know that a strong relationship with your sponsor is available. Like you can have something fucking incredible too. Um, and I feel like people, they just don't know what, like what it is or who, you know, what, what the deal is, <laughs> but like, this is an option. Um, and like with direction from thinking about, you know, your story, what you want and listening to stories and direction from your higher power, like it'll, it'll happen. So. And then just one thing to add to that with, um, so many of us come into the rooms not knowing how to have relationships with anyone since we've they've all been shaded or shadowed by substance. So ev- don't think the most confident woman in the room is is confident. <laughs> like even if they're 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 seeming so well together, like how Mel describes me. I am still to this day terrified to share. Like raising my hand in meetings gives me the, you know, the shakes. Like I, I seriously have to share in my mind first before I raise my hand. And that's something I'm still working on. But she would never know that. But if she shared about like, hey, I am terrified of women and I'm in a group of women and I'm going to just share about it because I feel awkward. Do you know how many hands would be raised and heads would be nodding? And I mean, I... All my made bridesmaids, besides family, were women from the program. Were were women, you know, my best friends I've met in the last three years, and that's cr- probably two years because the first year I was still so like, ah, don't talk to me. Um, but two years, and I have these solid friends who like know everything, and this is coming from a woman who, you know, drank every relationship she had down the drain, and you know, never thought another human being would ever be a friend. Like didn't even know what friend meant. So, so women are freaking beautiful and strong and powerful. And we just got to keep supporting each other in this crazy sober world and sharing, be vulnerable because, you know, when I, you know, one of my best girlfriends, when I shared about my ED being, you know, in parallel with my alcoholism, her hand flew up and I was like, done. And, you know, she's the best friend. 
Like <laughs> that's just because I shared about something that was terrifying to share. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I remember telling you being, telling May being like, I, I don't understand how you have these friendships. Like that's not going to happen for me. And you were like, just be patient. It'll happen. And I want to be like, fuck off. You don't know me. You don't know how fucked up I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, woe is me. Um, but yeah, I mean, really just, you, you know, you told me in the beginning, if you just show up with how, which is honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, like your life will expand. If I just kept showing up with all, you know, my quote unquote baggage and sharing about what was actually happening, like other people are going through it too. I'm not terminally unique, <laughs> you know? So, um, I can't thank you enough. And I do have those friendships today. Like that's the thing, like it unfolded exactly how you said it was. Damn it. <laughs> what the hell? She was right. <laughs> uh, winning, winning, winning. Uh, all right. Well, those are the only questions I have for you. Do you want to jump off and do our sponsorship meeting? <laughs> Let's do it. You got to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> got to get to work. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll see you guys next week. And thanks for listening.